Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com apply. That's Amazon.com apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. It's the weekly show on Radio City Talk, an unfamiliar voice to those of you who listen to this show every week on Radio City Talk. I'm Dave Downey. I used to be a big thing on this podcast, but I'm no longer so. <laughs> I've got three people who are bigger than me on this podcast now. Hannah Farrell, Mark Mosey and Les Roberts joining you for the next hour or so to talk all things Everton, which includes a really disappointing defeat to Arsenal on Sunday, uh, where Everton went down three goals to two, to a pretty feeble Arsenal side, I think has to be said. It was a game that was... Low on quality, high on chances, and ultimately, I feel we probably should have come away with a draw. Um, Les, let's let's start with you and, and your thoughts on ultimately where it went wrong for us because there were individual errors here. Yeah, um, not least from Gibral Sadibe that lead to at least a couple of Arsenal's goals. Other than that, though, did it feel? I mean, we were talking about this on the Subs Weekly Show with Paddy Boyland. Do you feel as if it was? Um, different to defeats we've got this dreadful record at Arsenal and mostly the big teams mm. away did it feel like a conventional defeat in that sense to you or was this a little bit different no it was definitely a little bit different because there were there were sort of reasons not to be cheerful but you know to be optimistic coming out of it because usually you know if we if we go and get B3-2 we'll be getting rolled 3-1 and we'll just suddenly get back into it in the last minute or something but Consolations we will, yeah we will have essentially been leathered for at least 85 minutes of the game <laughs> um, but yeah th- this did feel different and I think we the thing that did my head in most was we kind of needlessly lost our way after about 20 minutes we were in total control mm-hmm. and then when they scored I mean it was a great cross and I don't think there's anyone any defenders could have done about it. He hit it early and it was right across the six-yard box. But then after that, we kind of like didn't take any more control of the game and we sort of just lost our way a bit for no reason because they offered nothing. As you say, that was a disappointing Arsenal side and it was our best chance to, to break this awful record. I think I did um, I did some stats for last week's um, What's the Score show on YouTube and we've since we last beat them, we've played them 23 times down there. We've lost four. No, we've lost 19 and drawn four. <laughs> Which is just like that show, and and you think the amount of like seven ones, six ones, four ones we've had in that, mm. it's absolutely awful. And that was the most frustrating thing. It just, it, it was there for the taking. I know that's a bit of a cliche, but that game was there for the taking because they mm. weren't anything special. But once again, I think you say the same last season. Aubameyang made the difference for them, didn't he? Yeah. And you can't leave a player like him mm. to just pick his spot 
with a header or a, a mm. you know a shot on goal. Mm. It was the naivety mark, wasn't it? That that I felt was uh, the undoing here because. I mean, it, would it have been that difficult for us to go in there and, and put up a real staunch resistance in defence? I mean, OK, we know we've got this all of a sudden pretty decent attacking line now and we will create chances. We had 17 attempts on Arsenal's goal, mm. um, albeit only five on target. But the intent we've seen in these games now is starting to become a common theme, which is great. But that seems to have come at the price of some lacklustre defensive moments. And, and I'm not saying that that's the sort of... Uh, long periods of the game, but they're just they're just moments, and and they're the things that irritate you more, I think, than if you're constantly mm. under the cosh. I know it's unfair to single anyone out here, but Sadibi is ultimately the personification of that, isn't he? In terms of you, you look pretty steady most of the time, and going forward, it's all relatively rosy. But then you do get those outrageous moments whereby you allow so much space in between. It's, it's, it's a tough one with, with the ball that's played in between him and Mina and you could probably point fingers at both of them. But in general, you're right in that we still have an ability to lapse and switch off at key moments. What what I appreciate what you're saying about the naivety. I think what disappointed me more so was just an incapability to recognise the opportunity. I think for, for so often... I mean, we saw it in the first half. We... Les talks about the record down at Highbury or the Emirates there and the amount of times that we will have gone in at half-time a couple of goals down already. In this particular game on Sunday, we were drawing two all. First of all, having scored two goals away at Arsenal, but also not having to play very well. Mm. And I think there was an opportunity for a bit of a confidence booster there to say, do you know what, we have been pretty dreadful here, but we are clearly still in this game. And if either of the side was to, was to come out in the second half and look at winning the game, it, it looked for a lot of that second half like it was going to be us. And I appreciate the most frustrating element of that is the fact that we conceded so early on in that second half and that really knocked the wind out of us, I think, going forward. But I like to think that we could have had the strength of character after going 3-2 down to think, do you know what? I appreciate that we have conceded a goal very quickly, albeit on a lapse after half-time, which Everton are, are so formidable at for some reason. But as much as there was occasional chances created, I never really, even as an Everton fan, got the impression that we were really serious about getting back in the game. Oh, really? See, I did. I thought we dominated that first <laughs> Maybe... 20 minutes back into the second half completely. That's for me, was the most frustrating part of it. I think it's just history that, that dampens the spirit for, yeah. there, yeah. Because I think once you've seen Calvert Lewin miss one from three yards or not, <laughs> on the wall, not necessarily he, get the header, maybe there is a, an inevitability about it. I suppose, it, and you could see from Ancelotti's reaction, he seems so frustrated with Dominic <laughs> for that. I've never because... seen Everton hit someone so hard. <laughs> it was that, it was, it, he instantly knew our. 40, 50 years of pain yeah. in that one moment. It was that it was that shot of him, wasn't it, after Aubameyang scored when he instantly became a meme. It was just like yeah. completely like, his, his jaw just dropped like as if, hang on, we've just come out, what happened there? Mm. Yeah. He probably, he might have even missed it, he might have just sat down, just like sorting his coat out and then he scores, like, hang on, what happened there? Yeah. I think what you can't do at Arsenal is turn it into a basketball match because if you go head-to-head with them in terms of attack versus attack, as poor as they have been this season and as frail as they potentially can be at the back, they've got the players to damage you. Yeah. Um, Aubameyang for Everton is, is slowly turning into one of those players whereby if he plays, we lose. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. which, totally. and, Especially if you give them that much space. To exactly, do what he wants. yeah. But, and as, as much as we have got more weapons going forward now than in 
many many years before before this time I don't necessarily think that that is the way to go about Arsenal and, and the reason that the game descended into that sort of counter versus counter moment was the fact that both midfields were anonymous um, yeah. they, they albeit they have Zaka and Ozil and uh, Kabayos played as well but you could probably look at all three and say that they didn't necessarily have a great deal to do um, Ozil you know what you're expecting from him and, and he is capable of his quieter games and I think generally speaking we did we did well to keep him like that but I think at a time where you haven't been to a top four team and won for so long and the odds are mentally at least against you you need someone who's going to be commanded in that midfield and, and until Andre Gomez came back on the pitch and, and the fact that we know that we rely on this lad week in week out ordinarily anyway but the fact that we are doing that in the aftermath of such a serious injury and mm. literally from minute one of him coming on the pitch yes it's a credit to him and, and a testament to how fantastic a player he is but I think it just very quickly highlighted it the fact problems. that we are absent without him definitely we were only saying this before when we were chatting about it to him to be on that long and after the first 30 seconds of being on the pitch mm. clicking into place saying this is what's been missing it's quite scary mm. the fact that none of his replacements even looked as fit as he does. Like, mm. if he looks shattered after 45 minutes and then you've got him coming on and looking as if he hadn't done away. It's scary yeah. and it's boss to have him back now that we can rely on that. Yeah. But it's scary, isn't it, that yeah. there's nobody else That's for it. him and if the balance doesn't or... come back, what do you do then? That was the mad thing it's for me. It's <laughs> Yeah, it is. And the mad thing for me was, like, it's we, we did all right there. We played pretty well. As, as well as we played against Arsenal and I don't know how long, probably since when we went there with Martinez and drew one all. But I couldn't yeah. put my finger on any player who played particularly well. I couldn't sit apart from Gomez. Mm. He was the only player for me who really stood out as he had a really good mm. game for the half an hour he was on. And there was a point in the game, I think, I don't know if it was Jack he went in for a challenge with. And Jack got up and looked like he was going to deck him. And then he just sort of looked into his dreamy face and like melted, <laughs> and he just sort of smiled at each other and carried on. It was like it was a lovely moment. Like yeah. that's what you want to say. Gomez out handsome them <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I I went in on the on the midfield here um, <clears throat> with with Gomez providing the backdrop to how poor the rest of them have been. I thought, and people have pointed out to me since I did so that it probably wasn't the game to do that because of how well they've done before. But the counter-argument I'd make is we've played so well, and I say played so well, we've we've been able to accumulate that many points, probably in spite of the midfield, mm. rather than because of them. Or yeah. because That's they've... because of two players, not yeah, from anybody yeah, there. And, and the two that scored on, on Sunday are now beginning to look head and shoulders, literally, mm. above everybody else in, in that team. And as refreshing as that is to see both of them doing well, Richarlison criticising the media for his, his move to us, Dominic Calvert-Lewin maligned by our own fans for God knows how long. <laughs> Don't you dare look at me. Don't air. you dare. Good job on the radio, not the TV. Eh? I'll, um, I'll raise you a Tom Davis for any argument you want to throw at me, my friend. Well, he's, my he's, captain, isn't he? He's, uh, by uh, definition, a part of this, this this thing that I'm talking about here. Mm-hmm. And, and that is when, when Gomez has come on. And, and I, meant, I went on a bit of a rant on this on, on Subs Weekly, but it feels to me like the rest of them were finally, that was the penny dropping for so many of them. And, and, and he's probably stood there, if I'm one of them, looking at that performance in 32 minutes and thinking, well, I've let myself down here. I've not I've not done enough for Everton um, to a man. Um, my responsibility in this team is a hell of a lot more uh, on my shoulders than what I first thought. And I think it's it, it's sad that we've arrived in that situation. And i tell you why it's particularly sad. When you look at that league table and mm. think, if we had him, 
or think if we'd have got ten percent more from Delph or mm. Schneiderlin, who's been okay at times, just a tiny bit more, mm. and I'm I'm left there just bewildered by the the sight of the rest of that midfield in comparison to a lad who snapped his ankle 112 days before. It, it put them all to shame, I think. Yeah. And, and I, I tweeted at the time, I felt embarrassed for them. Uh, and, and let's hope, I, I think, well, they don't deserve to be at the club if they don't feel a, a sense of accountability for how poor they've been when you've got him coming on and doing that. Paddy Boylan was making the comment to me that, well, you just simply need to accept that how much better Gomez is than the rest of them. But where I can't, I can't find rhyme or reason in their performances is... They're still not bad footballers to the sense where they can still pick a pass forward. They can still find somebody on the diagonal. Schneiderlin made his living mm-hmm. and got his move to United off that at Southampton. And he was brilliant in the early stages of his career with us. They've got that and, and yet they either choose not to use it or then they're told not to use it. Obviously, they're not told not to do that. The fact that they don't and the fact that their performances are so subpar, when this fella comes on, it should bring it all home to them. And, you know, you'd like to think now you get a rise from people around them. I'm not necessarily sure a lot of these have got the backbone to be able to do that. But And, and where they should be concerned is this is where they'll be found out now. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, Ancelotti, you know, he, he knows a player, doesn't he? So there's no one can hide. They should all be taking this opportunity now to really, like, think it's the only chance I'm going to get to work under a manager of this calibre. Because none, none of them will ever again. Maybe Richarlison will get to work with better managers mm-hmm. than Ancelotti, but can't see anyone else doing. But the one that's really sort of shocked me, Sigurdsson, I think Hannah said before, he looked knackered. Yeah, after, like awful. you think You think back to last season, he would run and run and run all game. I think he had like the highest miles covered each game. Even goal-wise, though, it was him and Richarlison, not Dominic. Yeah, it, but, it was Giffy. Yeah. It's yeah. weird to say literally, that sentence now. Yeah, literally every part of his game's dropped off this season and I just can't, I can't think why. He's... Mm. His role in any football team now, especially at the age that he's at, is so niche. He needs to be effectively what Everton were doing with him last year in that sort of second striker role. Mm. Um, so much was made about high, how high up the pitch he was playing at that time. As much as it facilitated his ability to press the back four and, and to kind of dovetail a little bit with with primarily Richarlison at times, it's it's very evident now why you've had managers in the past who don't necessarily want him in the mix in the midfield because certainly looking at the game on Sunday and the position we were in at 3-2 down after about 60 or 70 minutes on paper that struck me as a game where Gilfie Sigurdsson of old would have thrived Mm. because as, as much as we all know what Arsenal can offer it it's exactly the type of game where a player like that gets time on the ball um and and whatever needed was a little bit of intricacy. Someone who who can play a, a you know a ball out wide, or they can play one between the channel, or potentially even be the cutting edge from a set piece, which I, I know we saw a little bit of in the first half. And he's got the people ahead of him now who I never haven't had this for for a long time who are capable of feeding off that sort of intelligent play. People like Calvert Lewin and Richarlison, they, they they live for those balls when when Gomez came on and. I think he turned someone in midfield and played the left foot of pass out wide to Richarlison. And you thought, that's the sort of service that they've been waiting months for. Well, and yeah, but just to interrupt you on that, Mark, he come on and they're looking for that pass because yeah. they know who's got the ball. Mm-hmm. The indictment of the rest of them is they're dropping short when they see somebody who can, who's in the same position with the ball. If you're Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin and you see Gomez with his head up yeah. looking, you dart, you yeah. make that mm-hmm. run and you bomb mm-hmm. it to the byline. 
when it's everybody else, it's like you think it's going to get. Back I, to I need to get closer. Yeah. <laughs> you come yeah. more towards our own goal. You, you you need to get closer to the player who's got the ball because invariably it'll go sideways or backwards mm. or get tossed up to you for you to battle within the air. Mm. That that is the chasm between him being on the ball and the rest of them being on the ball. And I I just to pick it up on the uh, Sigurdsson point, Matt. Before you continue, his base level playing different roles in a midfield should not be as poor as it is. Yeah, you 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 are exactly right. He's very niche. What he's asked to do and what his role's been in his career as a ten, as a set piece taker, as somebody who leads the charge when you're trying to press teams, fine. But when you're asked to do something different, you're still a professional midfielder in a side that's paid a significant. It's 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 record mm-hmm. transfer fee for you. If you get asked to do a little bit of a different, I'll say maybe a considerably different midfield role, surely we should be getting a little bit more from him than what we do. Mm, I think if you go back a couple of years, the the one thing that you would never say that we'd be sitting around now talking about is his application and his attitude. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's just so telling about how this particular player has has totally fallen from grace. Mm. We we saw it probably the most damning example was away at, at Anfield when he was pointing at every single member of the back four in a desperate attempt not to actually get on the ball himself. And miss I think me out, miss me out. When we saw that again on Sunday, and it was even more evident, he he was effectively waving the ball away from himself at yeah. all opportunities because he is not comfortable picking the ball up off the back four. And as much as we don't necessarily want him to be the person doing that, as you said, his base level of being able to do any job in that midfield should be far higher than what we're seeing. And ultimately... As you speak about now, Andre Gomez coming back in and how do all these players fit in? If they had half a brain cell between them, they'd all be thinking, how do I compliment Andre Gomez? Mm. Because that is the only available spot in the centre midfield. And for everything that Gomez offers, and and primarily that is going forward and the ability to actually not look terrified of a football, (laughs) the the person (laughs) alongside him needs to be a little bit more combative, needs to be comfortable picking the ball up off the back four, absolutely cannot hide from the play because yeah. it's got someone who's going to be totally central to what Everton do and that phrase is unfortunately something that you just can't say in the same sentence as Gilfie Sigerson anymore mm. yeah and and where it doesn't get any better in his case is that now Gomez is in there it's it's another role that they have to adapt to where they've previously failed to show any adaptability to any of the roles they've been given before Les yeah it, it's <laughs> As you say, they should be capable of just giving a basic midfield performance. It's not that difficult if you're a footballer, surely. You know, you look at Mason Holgate, the way he stepped up into midfield and took to it brilliantly, getting coached basically against Man United by Tom Davis, mm. you know, a 19-year-old lad. But he played brilliant and then, you know, he can do that job there. So why a player who's got the attributes that Sigurdsson's got, he's good on the ball, he's strong, he's a big lad. Well, he was fit, but his fitness seems to have gone <laughs> now yeah. completely. The way he's knackered. The shot, you know, the, when the, the the club showed the highlights of Gomez's comeback game in that sixty-minute friendly. Yeah, and Gilfie's in the background, looks like he's getting tired putting a bib on. <laughs> <laughs> I love Leighton Baines in that video, by the way, where he hit that ball through to Callum yeah. Lewin and he missed, and he went absolutely spare <laughs> about furious. it. Yeah. <laughs> Got to be hitting the target there. Yeah. Got to be scoring from there. Yeah, it looks like he's not in Matt Jones' uh, DCL fan club either, does it, Baines? No. <laughs> how, how bizarre is it now I know you go back to that Man United game but I think if you've asked the vast majority of the fan base who would you want lining up alongside Gomez in the midfield you'd probably get Mason Holgate being top of the list yeah I mean it, it is you, you, if Ancelotti 
gives a little bit more credence to the thought that Michael Keane can actually defend now. Well, <laughs> no, put him alongside me and throw this me. This is in. very much oh, dependent on signing a new defender. It's a, it's a domino effect, isn't it? It's like, oh, you know, if I take him out of central defence, it might well be one of our best midfielders. But what does it do if I have to put Michael Keane back in? <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Uh, that's the first part of the show over. But don't worry, when we come back, we'll be picking up on more of this performance away at Arsenal. We'll take a look at the league table and what's rest left for the rest of our season. You listen to Radio City Talk. Welcome back to part two of the Blue Room on Radio City Talk with Dave Downey, Hannah Farrell, Mark Mosey and Les Roberts. Matt Jones isn't here this week. I think it must be a break in a record number of <laughs> consecutive shows that he's hosted on Radio City Talk that I've pretty much forgot what to do on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we have to say, massive congratulations to Matt who got married on Friday. Uh, we were all in attendance, some of us longer than others, some of us drunk more than others. Certainly know that, Mark Mosey. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I had a Diet Coke, mate, and I was a little bit tipsy. At the time of recording, it is uh, Tuesday, and I am still a little bit intoxicated, I would say, yeah. Yeah, good job he wasn't breathalyzed coming through that tunnel. <laughs> bigger things going on over there, though, Mark, isn't it, as we were discussing before the show? Well, yeah, as we are now the hub of the globe's uh, infectious diseases, um, <laughs> which... I think we all secretly knew that the Wirral had been for decades. <laughs> 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 a lot of Hang on, the yeah. disclaimer needs to go out here. Yeah. On the yeah. station that covers Liverpool, the North West and North Wales, yeah. then it, Mark is from the Wirral so we can say these things. Yeah, and there's absolutely nothing not wrong with me. Took the mask off just as he got to the But yeah, nice to, uh, nice to put us on the map anyway. He's, yeah. quad- he's quarantined up here, in fact. Yeah, <laughs> been, tomorrow, every single day now. Up the towel for three weeks until the pandemic. <laughs> um, I want to talk firstly, finish congratulating Matt, who got married to Chelsea on Friday. We're all absolutely delighted for him. He'll be back this time next week, uh, so you don't have to put up with my dulcet tones any longer. Uh, I know a lot of people do like my voice, by the way. I get emails about it all. Do you get requests? Audiobooks, yeah. Dave. Do you? I can make a pretty penny if I want to. Audiobooks? Ah, Dave, do you mind, yeah, mind reading this and recording it for I me? I was thinking something a bit more sordid than audiobooks. Audiobooks? That's what they tell me. That's what she's to read of Mice and Men. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not paying 49p a minute to listen to you. <laughs> I get it for free, mate, don't I? I can drop you some voice notes if you're interested. That'll be swell, mate, I think. Anyway, back to, back to the matter at hand and uh, continue our discussion with Everton's defeat against Arsenal. Arsenal at the weekend. I mentioned at the very start of the show, Jibril Sadibe's role in, in the Arsenal goals. Gary Neville did a very good dissection of this on Monday Night Football about how he didn't read Aubameyang's laziness, effectively, as he, he put it, mm. um, where you're normally expecting a striker to move so quickly in all different directions when you get into the box. Sadibe was obviously expecting that. Aubameyang basically stood still and was allowed a free header, which Sadibe tries his best to scamper back from. I'm just reading a piece here. Um, I've read a couple of pieces about this. Reports suggest Everton are uncertain about £12.75 million from a deal for Sadibi. I want to focus on that a little bit because he has blown up and cold um, throughout the season. Sometimes I've looked at him and thought, wow, this guy's a real athlete with real pace, could provide an exceptional cross. You know, other times I've looked mm. at him and thought, yeah, I haven't got a patch on Tony Hibbert, mate. I mean, <laughs> where's he stamina? He's too eccentric for a defender for me. You think mm. so? Yeah. Um, I he, think but he's the... often been played right wing when Coleman's been in as well, hasn't he? Which is a funny one. Which... Probably Ancelotti would agree with that notion. His, his flexibility is key. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily help in terms of making a decision on the player at this stage. Mm. Um, I think if you're going to make such a such a, a crucial call on, on someone like a right back, you need to have seen him at right back enough. Um, and I think for me, 
he exists at polar opposites far too much during games. I think the I've still got nightmares about going to Anfield and, and watching him getting <laughs> carved apart on that on their left hand side. And he was hooked after that, wasn't he? He was. Half yeah, an yeah. Hour. Uh, and, and don't get me wrong, him and Holgate were were taking it in turns to, to try and get off the pitch quicker than the other that night. But I think the the negatives are far more drastic than the positives are. Um, don't get me. We've seen some great moments from him, and his his delivery has been refreshing. We, we've watched Seamus Coleman just chip aimless balls into into penalty areas for for far too long, and a fullback putting the ball into the box with purpose from the right hand right hand side is something that we are totally not used to. Um, the the thing that pushes me towards us being tempted to sign in him is the transfer fee. To be honest, I think you. If you want to go out and sign someone of European trophy calibre, it's going to cost you a hell of a lot more than 12, 13 million or whatever it may be. Yeah. I also think the temptation is the fact that it's a, a, a problem that will be very quickly solved if we were to go and wrap this up early in July. Um, we know that transfers take up so much of, in particular, Marcel Brand's mindset. And I think if he's got it in the back of his mind that he can get a 6 or 7 out of 10 in that right-back slot for a relatively modest fee and potentially look at this when Seamus Coleman is another 12 or 18 months down the line, then that may well be a little bit tempting for him. Um, but are we at that stage where I we want to settle? That. I agree with that because <coughs> my other argument is that he's been hot and cold. He's not somebody who you've generally sat there and debated his ability mm. that much mm. apart from Sunday. This Just is the moments, first... Yeah. It's not been a consistent as a consistent as we've been saying about all our midfields, it hasn't been that much of a problem with him. Mm. So when you bring in the fact of the fee and stuff like that, I still think it's quite an attractive mm. offer just because he's not one of these people that we've sat here and ridiculed for months. He just hasn't been incredible. But by no means, he's been, he hasn't been awful. When yeah. you look at other players who really mm. seriously need to be debated, I don't think his name's in there. I think he's someone, for what the reasons you just explained, especially with Coleman, why he would be attractive to yeah. us. I think his problem is as well, I think he's made not necessarily high-profile mistakes, but mistakes that have led to goals quite yeah. a few times. And that that just raises alarm bells, doesn't it? If there's a player who gets caught out of position, what the one at Brighton springs to mind immediately, they think they're winning goal. He's caught high up the pitch. Mm-hmm. And you can see during games a lot of the time, he does get a bit carried away and loses his bearings. And that that gap is left in behind. And if you've got you know that ball like from David Luiz at the weekend, if you've got players capable of doing that, that's where you can get caught out. And I don't know, I, I am I'm 50-50 with him mm-hmm. because of that, because he's got those mistakes in his game. It's like can we do a bit better? I think a lot obviously a lot will hinge on how good John Joe Kenny's mm-hmm. um loan spell has been. But again, I think if we get a decent offer for him, maybe for FFP reasons, we'll sell. Yeah. Because you know he's a player we're making clean profits on. I've got to worry about that for Bernard as well, if an offer came in for him, because we'd make hundred percent profits on him and it can solve a lot of problems in that regard. I mean it's rubbish because you just want good players and I think Bernard's yeah. brilliant. I he, I absolutely mm. love him the way he doesn't start. Yeah. I it frustrates well, me so a, much. He made a difference, didn't he, when he came on? He does and yeah. when he started against Palace after twenty minutes, he's got a goal in. That's yeah. my biggest frustration. I agree with every financial loss he's doing, apart from that. To me, he should be mm. in that scenario with um, Richarlison Dominic. 
like Holgate and Bernard mm. if they're available they yeah. should start yeah, so that's my biggest frustration and if we lost a player like him I'd be absolutely wounded oh, absolutely wounded I think there's so much potential in him and for some reason it's just not being taken mm. he's probably the only one as well who's actually intelligent enough to play between the lines yeah because yeah. he knows his physique he doesn't yeah. try to be this player he's not he knows his skill as being the small player who can get through mm. and when you compare him to like when Walcott's on on the other side of the pitch mm. the difference is staggering so that's my biggest frustrating <clears throat> frustrating with um, Ancelotti is that he doesn't mm. play Bernard starting him I mm. think he looks fit enough to play a full 90 minutes if we lost him it'd just be such a big loss to it's, us he's also it, substituted a lot as well isn't he when yeah. he does yeah. start and I don't think he ever <laughs> looks yeah. fatigued no, I don't no. think he looks like he's struggling so that's like I don't, that's what I don't understand it's such touch, a loss his first touch is my favourite thing about Everton at the minute <laughs> join his legs oh yeah, I just got joined his legs. He thought she plays with Joey's legs. What manager was it that said that? I, it was like a nickname he picked up back in Brazil, I think. It was, yeah. no, it was the Brazilian national team was manager it actually, who yeah. said that. I think that's yeah. what Tim Vickery said to us at the time. Yeah. wonder what he says about Alex Iwobi. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you look, though, after, you're obviously all top two. He's the one who's got, right, he's only got three, but he's got still got three goals in. Mm. So when you yeah. compare that to other members of the team, it just, don't know, it confuses me a bit the way he's not taken advantage of more. He's, he's just a player you enjoy watching as well. Yeah, yeah. You, and you expect good playing, things yeah. from and he always seems to deliver. Mm. I thought it was a bit harsh. He wasn't on the pitch for that long on Sunday I think he got raised as a five in performance he's not a game cha- changer type of player he's one who I think from the beginning yeah yeah I know what you mean grows into uh, yeah. I think yeah. he just generally so, makes us look like a little bit more of a dangerous prospect doesn't yeah, he yeah so I didn't think you should be expecting him to do that mm-hmm. 70 minutes into the game at all so I think it was very harsh for him to be getting raised as a five or six on his performance mm-hmm. on Sunday because mm-hmm. given a full 90 minutes I think that would have been a very different scenario well I'll, I'll admit I, I I probably differ from the three years to be honest with you because I, I, I think I like the idea of Bernard than actually Bernard himself at times and I think he flatters to deceive on an awful lot of occasions. His output needs to be increased. He's he's part of moves, and I understand that. There's there's not much emphasis these days put on key passes, you know, the pass before the pass, they call it, and all that mm. stuff. He's there for that thing, that sort of thing. He's there to link up play. You think of him with Luca Dean at the height of their powers last season. That that combination was just mouthwatering compared mm. to what we had with um, Baines and Pienaar all those years ago. I I I can see why Ancelotti manages him the way he does. Nonetheless, I, I don't I don't think it's a fitness issue that many people seem to think it is, or if indeed the management at the club feel is it, it is a fitness issue. I, I certainly haven't seen. I don't see him flagging. No, not at all. I don't see him, you know, blowing out of his backside towards the end of games. Far from it. And his energy as well is something that's a, a key attribute for us. I just don't think I'm there in terms of the the position you guys probably hold him in in regard. You hold him in. Um, just back on Sadibi though. Are we in danger here? Let's just thinking, well, we need a right back who's actually a right back and not one of these modern day ones <laughs> that just bombs forward. Because to me, he looks a little bit like a home and bargain Kyle Walker. <laughs> yeah. He's easy. You ain't expecting that. No. Home bargain. Oh, oh, home bargain, sorry. <laughs> oh, I was home sorry, bargain. I forgot, I forgot my audience here. It's you, home and bargain. It's home and bargain, mate. Always, oh, see, Always will Black be. Scouts, Mark. You're a joke, you less. You're in solidarity with little brothers. Yeah, I, I, um, You're not getting in my incubation tent on the world, mate. It's going to be like 28 days later on Lair Street, isn't it? Um, 
Yeah, I've well, just got in my head. Uh, <laughs> you ever seen Harry Potter? I've never seen the first one. Oh. <laughs> they have the dark mark on the rim. <laughs> imagine that's you guys over on the wheel. You know, with a little skeleton moves, the snake yeah. and Voldemort around. Just a big Voldemort cloud over Birkenhead. That's yeah. it. We, ha- we have to show yeah. us to get back through the tunnel. That's how it works. <laughs> we don't have to scan anything or put money in. You have to show you. You don't have to pay one each. No, that's it, yeah. That's right. 360 returns for the rest of my life. That's Robert's talks to snakes. It's away from Harry Potter. Yeah, I was, was going to say, he's a bit like a, um, a sort of 90s prototype wing back, isn't yeah. he? He would fit that three man centre back with two wing backs mm. um, set up perfectly because he does like to get up the pitch and doesn't necessarily like to get back as mm. much. I think, as, as you've been saying, the, the price tag is very tempting. But then would we be just throwing away 12 million on a player who can't really fulfil the role we need him to? Well, does it, because well, the first question you have to answer there, Les, is how important is a top-quality right-back in a Carlo Ancelotti team? Mm. So if he's taking this 4-4-2 idea forward rather than just using it as a line of best fit right now, yeah. if that's the way we're going to go, how important is a top-quality right-back? Well, I don't think it would have the emphasis no. on it you need previous incarnations of Everton that we've seen in recent years. You need one who can defend in that case. Because yeah. remember, Al Barrett in the 90s... Um, wasn't the greatest footballer going, but he was a solid enough defender. He did well to get a normal bargain team. <laughs> and he had Kinchelskis ahead of him. Yeah. So it was it was literally just, he does a bit of tackling, knocks the ball up to Kinchelskis, and that's it. Job done. That's all mm, you need to do. Chalk and cheese in terms of ability right there. Completely. But it works. But it works, yeah. yeah. So that that's I think that's the sort of play we need. Just get Tony Hibbert back. Imagine the scenes when Dave get, actually gets for the once an El Barrett reference in one of these podcasts. <laughs> El La Pearl. Do you remember, remember that? The Echo. It's Didn't like Joe Roll call him that? I think he did call he him that. He did, El La Pearl, yeah. yeah. But from a formation point of view, I get what you mean in terms of if you were going to look at what Everton have classically looked at over the last few years in terms of a 4 2 3 1, you're expecting, well, primarily you're right back to cover a lot more ground and also to do a lot more work both going forward and. Defensively, it, mm. it, it's a massive burden for, for a fullback to play in that role. The, the thing that frustrates me about Sadibi in particular is you mentioned, Les, about him having a bit more license to go forward and a wing back formation probably suiting him a bit more. I think the times when we have seen him given a little bit more freedom is when he looked a little bit more shaky. Certainly, the, the yeah. time that he got hooked at Anfield, that was part of a, a back three or five or nine or whatever we were playing that <laughs> night. And more recently, at Crystal Palace, where you thought, I appreciate he comes on relatively early and cold into a game. He's essentially playing a, a right midfielder role, but ultimately, this is a fullback who has been said, you know what, you don't have to defend that much today. You've got. Seamus Coleman behind you go forward and show me what you can do and it was all a little bit headless chicken at times and yeah. I'm just not sure he's he's disciplined enough to play a role that we are talking about someone in a back four for example discipline probably summarises what you need from your full back mm. they're going to have to primarily be a little bit more defensive and I think the thing that probably sways this against him is that I don't think we've quite nailed down who plays ahead of him at the moment um, it, it all of a sudden starts to look like quite a weak right-hand side of the football pitch if we've got Sadibi playing in behind Theo Walcott. Yeah, and I definitely. think it very much depends on, first of all, you're right in terms of John Joe Kenny and, and how much we value him and how much we try and distort the budget based on do we actually need a right-back or not. But I think it also comes down to who will ultimately be playing ahead of that role and in that, that right midfield position. Well, let's, let's just um, talk about 
Kanchelskis and Hill Barrett there, mm-hmm. <coughs> as left field as it was, is is really pertinent here, isn't it? Because yeah. it, it, a lot is dependent <coughs> on the man in front of them and how good they are mm-hmm. and how efficient they are at what they do. I mean, you couldn't foresee it working when you've got one of the leagues, say you've got, we'll see it soon, won't we, Mane parading down mm-hmm. that side or Salah coming down that side. You have genuine concerns if that's Dibbles Adibi going up against them because he will be asked to defend more than he will be able yeah. to get forward. Mm. Therefore, the person in front of him, which would, I presume, be Walcott if everybody's fit, the question and emphasis then becomes on how good, he, how effective he is. Mm. And also, against sides like that, he's going to have to come back and double up as well. Yeah. So th- that that's where it becomes a big issue. But I, I'll give you the question right now. Free John Joe Kenny... He's not in any trouble, by the way. I was going to say, A3. <laughs> this new charity record. <laughs> A3, John Joe Kenny, or a £13 million Jibble Sadibi for next season? For all of the reasons we've just said about what we want a right back to be in a 4 4 2, I'll go with John Joe Kenny. Um, right. and, and you could Sorry. you could go back years and years of clips and shows that I've done that talk about how I'm not convinced by that lad but <laughs> I think if you're talking about the type of right back that you've just mentioned <laughs> El Barrett reincarnate <laughs> then John Joe Kenny's a man I agree bringing into consideration the player they've got in front of them and what they're going to be expected to do and also with the areas of the team that we've got to strengthen yeah. ahead of that priorities mm. yeah. and also to bring in the fact if it would be for free mm. then why pay 12 mil for a player who I bet isn't miles ahead of somebody so mm-hmm. no take into consideration that it would be like a setup with Walcott in front of that then yeah I do agree nice. bring back the scouse mouth <laughs> definitely I mean we need the right midfielder is what we've all <laughs> yeah, we've all learned to, well, to appreciate depends. here yeah. <laughs> that is that is the priority isn't it suddenly mm-hmm. I, I think suddenly that, that right back spot doesn't become such a focus if we've got a really good Mm. Right winger, yeah. right yeah. midfielder ahead of him. So you can you can, you can cope with having yeah, a exactly. <laughs> you can cope with having a six out of ten one in that case. Then can't you? Yeah. If, if you've got yeah. an, an efficient right winger, what's El Barrett up to these days? <laughs> what's Kanchelskis up to? <laughs> oh mate, to have a game with him again. Anders My Limpar. favourite player of all time, oh, Anders Limpar. Anders, yeah. I mean, it, well, that brings me to something I do need to highlight as well, which is available on the Blue Room Extra right now. Uh, well, it will be soon. It's our series that's called Simply Seasons took us a while to think of that one (laughs) the first episode is 94-95 when Anders Limpart is a big big part of Everton Mm -hmm. um, and the results we end up getting, the trouble we end up getting out of, we're we're going through that tediously game by game uh, from when Big Joe took over from Mike Walker when we were in a perilous situation Mm -hmm. with 8 points after 14 games in that league the turnaround, the staying up quite comfortably and of course, the last time he won a trophy, which obviously reluctant to talk about it in now in those terms, but at the time, huge thing for the club. We're going to be we have I've spoken to Joe, luckily enough to speak to Joe once again for that, and um, a number of other players as well. We've got Matt Jackson lined up. Joe Parkinson's going to join us. Gav Buckland and Dave Prentice as well are absolutely superb on that season from a journalistic standpoint as well. So make sure you join us for that. It's coming up soon on the Blue New Mexico, along with hours upon hours of other content including Les's mailbag it used to be called Paddy's it's, it's been upgraded <laughs> yes it's called just call it Les mailbag it sounds French then Les <laughs> <laughs> <Play> mailbag, Play <laughs> mailbag. <laughs> uh, right we're going to take another quick break before the final part of the show you listen to the Blue Room on Radio City Talk welcome back to the final part of this week's Blue Room on Radio City Talk it's Dave Downey in for Matt Jones even though it's my own show <laughs> Hannah Farrell, Mark Mosey, and Les Roberts. You know what? As well, we never definitively like handed over the baton to Matt. I didn't ever say to him one time. Do you know what, Matt? 
you have carte blanche over everything you want to do with this show and I'll just sit back. I assumed he was just like leasing it off you or something. It's it's just one of those things that was never really a conversation and then he's just taking control, ousted me out of any sort of power I used to have around here. A lot of people will be listening to this thinking I'm just a guest host. In like in like that's a how, nice that's way. That's how far I've plummeted. <laughs> He'd do it in like a nice, inconspicuous way though. He's not like someone like like a Mourinho who'd just barge in and just change everything instantly and make it his own. <laughs> and he'd, he'd just he'd subtly just scrape away at your skin until he uh, yeah. until he was he was deep in you. He's made you think <laughs> he's made, played the long game. Yeah, yeah. He's made you think it's your own idea, by the way. I know. Definitely. I know I tell people now, you know, you know like colleagues over at BBC or other people that are seeing they're like, Oh, um, do you still do that blue room, Dave? And I'm like, Well, you know what? I actually uh, no, no, I don't, I don't, I don't anymore. Do you know what I mean? Can't wait till Matt takes your job. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Follow me, BBC. Like a bad smell. Look what Boylan's gone and done as well under my stewardship. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, you're here doing the show with us and Matt at home with your missus and your dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Boylan's in some penthouse yeah. apartment as well. Stealing your life. Stealing all the money I could have made at the Athletic. <laughs> Tell you what. But I'd rather be nowhere else but here than talking to you. I've, I've saved across this city <laughs> for an excess of a decade. There we go. Anyway, uh, back to business. Everton have another massive game against Manchester United this weekend at Goodison. I've been looking at the Premier League table, looking at the connotations of Sunday's defeat, where it leaves us, and what we can hope to achieve for the rest of the season. Ultimately, I think there was enough in that performance, Les, to take heart and think, yeah, okay, it's a blip on the record as Carlo Ancelotti is just his second league defeat. It's, first, the- it's our first league defeat of 2020. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, imagine you said that, uh, particularly with that run of games. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are in the midst of another run of those games. We are 11th in the league, five points off our opponents on Sunday, so it's uh, six points in every conventional sense of the mm-hmm. word. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that defeat sets us back a bit. Arsenal have gone above us. Burnley somehow have gone above us. What a sentence. <laughs> oh, yeah. isn't it? When you think they were in relegation danger recently. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking before these. Even Southampton's underneath us there as well. Yeah, they've yeah. drawn, I think they've <laughs> won four, drawn one of the last five. Burnley, they're, they're flying under the horrendous style of football that they play. <laughs> Nonetheless, it's, it's effective. If we win this, two, within two points of Man United, who are in the hunt for fourth, mm. Chelsea up there on 44, we're on 36-8 behind that. I don't have designs on that for now, to be honest with you. But the rest of the league is concertina. The sides between us and United, Spurs, Sheffield United, Wolves, Arsenal, and Burnley, we're better than half of them at least. I would suggest. But also this this game, Les, is is crucial if we've got aspirations of this European place. Yeah, it, it becomes a six pointer, but yeah. a sort of nice six pointer, and not a six pointer we were expecting <laughs> yeah. when we got leathered at the upside down, was it? Yeah. So <laughs> coming coming out of that five two defeat, there, if you'd have said to me we're going to be going sort of late February. Six points against Man United to keep up with European places. Mm. Oh, they're taking your hand off. Mm. So you know, it, it's been it's been a great turnaround, and it's it's been dead enjoyable just winning games again, hasn't it? After yeah. what we had at the start of the season. So I think there's definitely there's definitely room for optimism there at the weekend. It's going to be tough because United have, have turned things around themselves lately. Um, they've been on a good run. Uh, they've got Bruges on Thursday night. Mm. Uh, they draw them one all from the first leg of that. So that's handy. Yeah, so they, that's massive, actually. Yeah, yeah, so they're gonna, you know, they're gonna have to play a, a decent team if they have got any designs on getting through that. Obviously, beat Chelsea away, leathered off for three 0 so they are on a really good run. So we can't take them lightly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I think as we saw as we played against them last season, I, I don't think that team we've got this season is necessarily even as good as that one they had last season. Mm-hmm. And that was like a perfect display from Everton. So anything anywhere near that, and we'll be sound. I'm looking forward to it anyway. 
Yeah, I, um, I think it'll be a good game. I can see goals in this one. Uh, probably due to both of them having some defensive lapses rather than um, <laughs> sort of genuine quality. Mm. But I was thinking before the Arsenal game, this is the one of the four uh, Chelsea and Liverpool to come as well, Mark. That I, I, I think I'd expect us to win. Yeah, um, it's hard to know where you, how you approach this one in terms of if you're going on off recent form, you probably are a little bit more measured about how you expect Everton to go about this than if you were to go back six weeks when, mm. in particular, Everton were, were doing all right, but Manchester United looked particularly frail, mm. and you thought that they could be totally blown away. Mm. Um, as soon as Les mentioned the game from last season, I think well that is definitely the approach to go for because you're right in what you're saying that. Other than bringing Bruno Fernandes in, there hasn't really been a great deal of change. Um, if anything, they, they've lost a couple of, of key players and you do still get the the feeling that we've all been at Goodison at those games where you just know within 10 minutes that the opposition aren't quite there and aren't yeah. quite up for it. And that's very much impetus on Everton to, to go and make it one of those days. In, in terms of where the season lies for us now, I think certainly if you were to going to be as, as aspirational as looking at fourth or fifth place, then this is quite simply must win. I think if if we if we don't start making up some ground on Manchester United and and Chelsea and teams like that, then we can we can kiss those admittedly optimistic hopes goodbye. But I think the the most refreshing thing about all of this is that we've actually got a, a football team with a purpose now. We the worst thing in the world as an Everton fan is just riding out your weekends, just waiting for another false dawn of a, a summer transfer window, and maybe we'll look at next season as being the one that builds on the one after that, but possibly <laughs> yeah. being a trophy winning season. And I think that's the that's the major argument for me in terms of getting European football at all costs. And I totally accept the argument that people make about how detrimental that can be to a side who aren't quite ready for it. But now, with the the players that we have in place, and in particular, obviously, the manager that we have in place, I I don't think we can keep going on. I I honestly don't know who we think we are when we say that we can't afford to take European football this season because we are all in this for, for... the exact reason that we want something achieved by the team that we support and I think if, if there's anyone who's capable of managing Everton through a period of relative success and that including European football then it's clearly Ancelotti Definitely and I think this run of games will be a decider if we can handle and hold our own against these three sides that we're facing next, I think that's a big decider mm-hmm. if these players are capable of playing European football because they're the I suppose the standards of players you expect to come across mm-hmm. then, yeah. so I think that'll be a big decider for us definitely I mean these these are each of them being, with the exception of Liverpool obviously these are being to some degree at some point this season poor sides less yeah even you know Chelsea line in fourth there on forty four points they've lost nine games I was going to say they, they, they seem to have lost a load of games sort of they had a really <clears> good start didn't they under Lampard and everyone was a, quickly, didn't yeah they? a little bit surprised and then it, it just sort of the bottom fell out of it a bit well the funny thing is in the top half of the Premier League uh, table there's three sides who, who are tied for the least amount of games lost this season Manchester City are one who, who do you think the other two are Least amount of games lost. Barely. Yeah. Have they like drawn loads? No. no. Barely have lost twelve. I've got. Yeah. Wolves. <laughs> Wolves are one. Yeah. And Arsenal the other. Just drawn loads. Yeah. So yeah, loads, 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 lo
Uh, so each of those sides have lost six. We've lost eleven. It feels, it feels like Leicester haven't won for about three months as well. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Leicester still third, aren't they? They got like jinx for getting too comfortable in seconds for a while, though, yeah. didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, so. well, I mean, it adds to this theory, doesn't it, that, that, that there isn't much of a muchness in that plethora of teams mm. that are just below the top, well, the top four. Um, score predictions to uh, to finish the show. Les? Ooh. <laughs> Tell you what, I'll go. I'll go for a nice three-one. Two 0 Everton. I'm also going to do a three-one. I I think it'll be both teams to score. I think we'll draw. Really? Hey, Dave. Oh, you just my ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought I'd finish in the hot seat on a real down. So it looks great when Matt comes back next week, and he will be back next week to host this episode of uh, the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. There's plenty of stuff going on on our Patreon, as I mentioned and alluded to a little bit earlier this week, uh, a little bit earlier in the show. This week there's uh, there's plenty from Rob Vera coming up with a kick about Lay Mail Bag makes its debut <laughs> yeah, as well at the weekend. Uh, Les will be in a little beret, have a, t- have a tiny moustache and a massive, I was going to say loaf, baguette. <laughs> Full of um, camembert cheese. Sounds like a good Saturday afternoon. Yeah. It sounds actually appealing. I might come in for that yeah, I'll declare my availability then. So do check out uh, blueroomefc.com uh, for the rest of our free podcasts and offerings and also patreon.com forward slash the Blue Room Extra if you fancy a little bit more from us at no obligation for the cost of a Wirral pint. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've really enjoyed this. Thanks very much to, to everyone who's getting involved and drop us a tweet at the Blue Room EFC if you want to talk to us a little bit more about what's going on with Everton. We'll see you next time. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com apply. That's Amazon.com apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. Sports Social Podcast Network.